Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when the Bible calls somebody stupid, it's not so much pejorative as it is a statement of fact. Wow, that is humbling. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Bible Geeks Weekly Podcast. This is episode 92. I'm Brian Sheely. I'm Ryan Joy. And thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. Happy New Year to you, sir. And Happy New Year to you as well. Welcome to 2021. It is impressive that we have made it to this date. And a year ago, we were talking about how ominous the number 2020 is and clarity of vision and all of that. Well, we didn't know it was ominous at the time, but... Let's just dispense of all of that this time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a lot of people ask me recently, what's on deck for Bible Geeks now that the end of the book reading plan is over? And we've got a lot of stuff to announce here on the episode. What do we got going on on this episode? And really, I guess, for the rest of the year, Lord willing. Yeah, we're going to be going through a curriculum, I would say, a training program that we're calling cross training. So the first four weeks, we're going to be covering four different dimensions of discipleship, starting today with truth. But discipleship is all about learning to take up our cross and follow Jesus. There's a verse that you and I have been kicking around that really, I think, defines discipleship well. Luke 6, verse 40 says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So we're in training to be like our teacher. And when we're fully trained, we'll be like him. And that's the goal of what we're doing this year. Looking at the teacher, listening to the teacher's teaching (laughs) and trying to (laughs) trying to develop, to train, to become closer to the image of Jesus, to to grow as disciples. We are going to spend the entire year doing that together. So these first four weeks, we're going to spend some time talking about what we're calling the dimensions of discipleship. And really, that's just these aspects of our lives that we need to focus on holistically, I guess. We can't just have one without the other. And so today, Mm -hmm. we're going to focus most of our attention on this first one, which is really, I think, the core And that's truth. Yeah. Truth shapes our thinking. And then from that, we start to shape our affections. And then our behavior starts to be shaped by that. And ultimately, it becomes this community of people who've been shaped into the image of Jesus. So those are the four dimensions that we're going to be working with. So like you say, we'll start off today with how truth shapes the way we think. And so ever since the podcast began, we started every episode by looking to Jesus. We used to look at things that Jesus said, and then this past year we found Jesus in the passages that we were reading. And so we're going to continue to start the episodes with Jesus in a new segment called Like the Teacher. So here we are talking about truth, how truth shapes our understanding and who we are and our thinking. And so let's pick out a story from Jesus' life where he exhibited a stand for the truth. And one of the great stories to illustrate how Jesus stood for the truth was his temptations in the wilderness. And you can go to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, but Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. He was fasting there. Then we see Satan come to him and bring him all kinds of temptations. As he's there, Satan throws his hunger in his face and says, change these stones to bread. And then he brings him to the pinnacle of the temple and says, throw yourself down and the angels will catch you. And then Satan tells him basically to worship him. So three times Jesus responds. And in every case, 
Jesus says it is written. And mm-hmm. that is really the focus of what we're talking about in this episode. It is written. Where is truth? Where is the ground and foundation of Jesus' life? It's what was written. So as we're thinking about this this week, what do you find here in this story of Jesus' temptation that really is insightful for you, helps you understand Jesus better? Yeah, I find myself wondering, what was Jesus thinking about for those 40 days? (laughs) (laughs) 40 days alone. I just saw somebody tweeting the other day. They said that they went to a solitary silence retreat where they had to be silent for like two days. And as they were checking in, they said, what should I do? And the person that checked them in said, just try to sleep. And they laid down and they slept for 16 hours. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I wonder what would I be doing? I'd probably sleep for 36 hours. And then what would I do for the next, you know, 38 days? So what was Jesus thinking about? I have no idea, of course, but he certainly had to be praying, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's just who Jesus is. And I wonder if he meditated on scripture. And as I look at this passage, it's interesting that all three of these verses that he quotes were from the same section of scripture, Hmm. from Deuteronomy's chapters six and eight. I mean, there are a lot of pages in my Old Testament. (laughs) I mean, it's really thick. Mine too. But all of these (laughs) come on the same two-page spread in my Bible. It's all together. It makes me wonder if he was meditating on that section of Scripture. But either way, we know those passages were loaded and at the ready in his mind and his heart when they were needed. And it's interesting. It's not just the words. It's pretty impressive that he had these things memorized and ready to just say the whole passage. But it's also the truths they convey and the truths drawn from the stories. So when he's hungry, he remembers the lesson of the 40 years of wilderness wandering, that God made them hungry and God gave them manna so that they would learn that we all live by God's say-so. And that's the context of the verse he quotes there. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When he's tempted to push God's providence to the limits and see what God would do, he remembers how Israel tested God when they wanted water at Massa. And when Satan tries to suck him into a shortcut to glory, as we've talked about before, just bow down to me, Mm -hmm. he goes back to God's command for Israel to remember who brought them out of slavery and to serve the Lord God alone. And so he's going back to those stories, to these ideas, these truths he's learned from them and these words. But there's a promise in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God always provides us a way of escape in temptation. And here, Jesus uses scripture three times as a vehicle to escape the devil's traps. And so it just reminds me when I feel stuck and trapped in a wrong attitude or a moment of weakness, the words, the ideas, the stories of the Bible can transport me to a different frame of mind where these soul nourishing truths can strengthen me and help me overcome. It's a reminder that letting the word of God permeate our thinking has massive real life implications in the moment of decision. Oh, yeah. The fact that God's word is able to be used in such a practical way. And you and I may never have the devil face to face with us offering us these kinds of temptations, but we're tempted to do things every day that are very similar to this. In every case, if Jesus was able to say it is written, then I'm able to say it too. Mm -hmm. That brings me a lot of comfort and strength. And this weapon that Jesus uses in defending himself against these temptations, it's a powerful weapon for sure. 
but only if it's wielded well. We've been watching The Mandalorian recently, and... Ah, that ending. Oh, I know. (laughs) But it's so cool to think about, and I've thought about it for a long time. Like, wouldn't it be cool to have a lightsaber? But then I think about it, like, I would absolutely cut my arm off in a couple of seconds (laughs) if I had a lightsaber. For sure. (laughs) Absolutely. But here we see Jesus wielding this powerful weapon in such an expert way. But then we see Satan on the other side of it, who also tries to wield the weapon of Scripture, but he ends up doing more damage with it than good. So Satan quotes the Scriptures a couple of times, in fact, yet he quotes it incorrectly. He misapplies it. And what I notice here is that Jesus isn't bringing up like super literal passages that answer the exact situation that he's currently dealing with. He's gone back to the old law. He's gone back to the scripture and he's using the principles there like you were just talking about to really apply to his current situation. While Satan, on the other hand, got super literal with his interpretation of the Old Testament, trying to twist passages into the current situation that Jesus was in and he missed the boat. He missed the meaning and the point completely. We know that God's word is sharp and powerful like a two-edged sword, so we need to be careful with it. We need to become experts in learning how to apply the things that we're reading in how we take the truths of God's word and put them into practice in my life. And you're never going to go to God's word and find a verse about how much time you should spend on Facebook or like (laughs) what kinds of hobbies you should and shouldn't have or what outfit you should buy from the store. But the Bible is absolutely chock full of principles to help guide those decisions. And we need to respect the truth. We need to know the truth. And we need to use it skillfully in applying it to our day-to-day, everyday living and temptations. Yeah, that's really the journey from knowledge to understanding to wisdom, Mm -hmm. that rightly dividing and and finding how it almost creeps into all the little cracks in your life that, <laughs> that it sort of pours down and filters down into all the small spaces so that slowly over time you become more and more immersed and changed and surrounded by the word of God. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our next segment. And it's a new segment and it's called Through the Week. I am ready to face any challenges that might be foolish enough to face me. So every week, We're releasing five challenges on Sunday to help keep us motivated throughout the week. And they're all dealing with this single topic that we're dealing with this week. It's about truth. As we get into these challenges, though, there's five challenges. You can decide if you want to do them one every day of the week, or you can do them all together at the same day on Sunday or Monday or whatever day you choose. But these challenges are really geared toward helping us become more like Jesus, really. And so the first challenge that we have here is a reading challenge. We're talking about truth here on the episode as this first dimension of discipleship, but it is absolutely so important that we ground ourselves in God's word. If we're looking to be transformed into Christ's image, we can't do that without reading God's word. So we have a bunch of verses here this week that we're going to be reading together. One of these verses that I keyed off of was 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul's telling Timothy how to become fully trained, to become complete and equipped. And these verses, they all highlight how important Bible study is for molding us into the kind of people that God wants us to be. Yeah, and it goes back to what you said before about taking and working with and applying those 
things that we read. And so continuing through the week, the second step we're going to have each week is to reflect. Mm -hmm. And the aim of these reflection questions is to think more deeply and personally about the subject examining yourself. So this week's reflection question is, what influences shape my worldview? And secondly, does my view match the way the Lord sees things? So it kind of tells us to take off our glasses and look at the lens to see if they're clear. <laughs> As I think about this question for myself, I can honestly feel the pull sometimes to conform to different groups and standards. And you don't notice it sometimes. But as I think about this, I recognize that the world isn't just one set of values or one set of people. There's all kinds of conflicting influences just pulling at me. And even in the church, there can be a pull to conform from certain people, certain aspects or groups to a non-biblical view that needs to be challenged. But certainly the messages I get from media and all around me make it clear that there's a different kind of morality, a different definition of what is good, what is wise, and I need to be aware. One of the things we'll talk about later in the year is being watchful. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to stay watchful to what the influences are that are pulling me and how God's word and the worldview that he gives me can get degraded by the things that are pulling me in different directions. So we'll read this week and we'll reflect together and then we'll have an opportunity to make a request. And that's the third step in our challenges this week. And it's to make a request of God. Basically, go to God in prayer. It's a heartfelt conversation with God and it can help clarify our intentions and reveal our affections and really change the decisions that we make going forward. And so for this week, ask the Lord to teach me what I ought to know and bless me as I listen to your words. This is all about humility. This prayer, teach me what I ought to know. It's about being humble, lowering ourselves, realizing that we're not the source of all knowledge. We don't get to direct our steps. In fact, it's the Lord who leads us in knowledge. And when we're talking about truth, he's the teacher and we need to be listening. And so going to him in prayer, I think, is helpful, just putting it all on the table and saying, bless me as I listen to your words. Yeah, and continuing through the week, our fourth step is to respond. All of this truth that we're learning, all the things we come to understand doesn't mean much until we start to live it. And so <laughs> these responses to the week's verses aim to put the ideas into action. It's a lot like the challenges we've always ended these weekly episodes with. This oh, yeah. will just throw down, here's something to do, now put it into action. And so this week's response challenge is to list five things you know are true and to make a list of questions you want to answer. And I remember the first time I did this exercise. I was in my 20s and I was swimming in doubts and overwhelming questions. And I took out a black and white composition notebook and started listing the things I know. And I honestly didn't think I would have much to write down. But I started writing, and based on all my studying and thinking about big questions, at that time, I had worked through some things that I just realized, yeah, I do feel pretty confident that I've come to know and understand this. This is true. There is a God. The Bible is something that I can rely on. I wrote that I know God loves me. And that started to be a foundation and the list grew from there. And it also helped to write things I didn't know. 
And a lot of those are questions I've answered now that I feel more confident in. And some are still in my imaginary penalty box where I keep <laughs> all those questions that I really am still working through and don't feel very confident in my answer to. But my faith and confidence isn't in having all the answers. It's in knowing God and knowing Jesus. And so I think this is a really helpful exercise to help us kind of settle into our faith, into the truth that we know, and start to prompt ourselves towards learning more and answering, filling in some of those gaps on important things. So the final step here through the week in our challenges together is to reach out. And I think this is one of the most important ones. And maybe it's the most neglected, at least mm -hmm. pointing back at myself, is this idea of community and reaching out to those maybe who don't yet know the Lord. And even in connecting with other believers, we're able to build stronger bonds when we reach out to people. And when we go and talk to somebody, we have a conversation with somebody. And for me, I don't know, I, sometimes I feel like a hummingbird in my conversations. <laughs> like I flit and I quickly bounce back and forth from person to person. And I never spend a lot of time with one person. And it's hard for me to get really deep with people. And this is a, a challenge really for me and hopefully for all of you to go beyond the how's it going how you doing? You doing okay? Oh, you catch that game last night, right? You know, those kinds of <laughs> surface scratching, meaningless questions. Go yeah. deep. Get really in touch with people. And that's what this challenge is all about. And hey, if you have trouble or maybe you're a little bit uncomfortable doing that, you can totally blame this on us. <laughs> you could just say, hey, I was listening to the Bible Geeks this week and they told me to ask you fill in the blank. <laughs> Brian and Ryan made me do it. It's right. Just blame us. That's all right. And so this week's question on the topic of truth is what do you think are life's most important questions and what answers have you found? And go to somebody and ask them that question. And so let's do that together. Ryan, what do you think are life's <laughs> most important questions? Yeah, it makes me think <laughs> it makes me think of that that scene in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail when they ask your favorite color and you just go blank. <laughs> Can't think of any right now. Sorry. <laughs> People ask me, what what are your favorite books? And, and I have to say, I, I can't think of anything, but I do know how to read. <laughs> uh, I think one of the most important questions we can ask is what does it mean to be human? Ooh. And part of that looks at whether there's a real meaning in life at all. Yeah. What does it mean to be a good human? Do I have a purpose? Is there something I'm supposed to do with this life I've found myself in? What is my makeup? You know, is there more to me than just a body and a really advanced central nervous system that's beyond, <laughs> you know, the apes? Do I have a soul, a spirit? Do I have something that lasts? Or is the afterlife just a fanciful narcissistic dream? I mean, I could go on, but a lot of things come from just that question of what does it mean to be human? And it's interesting going through the Bible in our reading plan recently, it's interesting how many answers you can find by just reading the first and last couple pages of your Bible. <laughs> if you just read the opening of Genesis and then you read the end of Revelation, you learn so much about what it means to be a human in light of the great being who made us for a particular purpose, to dwell with us and to give us authority to be his image bearers. And then we get to the ending, the happy and the tragic end of humanity and it really makes a lot of sense of life without even that's before you even get to kind of the heart of the whole thing in the cross and in the gospel. So the Bible just makes so much sense of meaning in life and what it means to be human. What about you? What big questions come to mind? I think my big question is really similar to yours, but what is my purpose here? 
And I've settled in on a good answer for that. For a long time, it's just kind of felt like, well, I'm supposed to just do what God says, follow his rules, do the things that he wants me to do. And I don't think that God made me just so that I would be a rule follower. And as I go to the Bible, especially like you talked about in this Into the Book series, reading through the New Testament, there's so many times where our purpose is very clear, and that's to glorify God. And the more I think about just God making me for the explicit purpose of bringing him glory, I think that really changes the game for me. I think that's probably one of the biggest questions that I've had and maybe one of the most solid answers that I've been able to find for one of those tough questions. That's awesome. There's there's an episode in this purpose question for sure. I mean, you think <laughs> about the nature of God and who he is and that Trinitarian fellowship of God as we come to understand him in scripture and him calling us into fellowship with him in love and what we see in Jesus submitting to God and their relationship and what we can learn from that. Absolutely. The glory that we bring to him and how he then lifts us up. It's, it's a pretty, I, I think I talked last time or a couple weeks ago about the circle of glory or something oh, like yeah. that. It's very much a, a big part of the worldview that we start to develop as truth from scripture becomes part of the way we see things. So that's through the week. And these five challenges that we're dropping every week, hopefully will be helpful for you spending some time in reading and reflection, making some requests to God in prayer, responding and taking action in your life, and then having an opportunity to reach out and have a conversation with somebody. I hope these things are as helpful for you as they have been for us. And so let's move on to our next segment, our final segment here on the episode, which is top four Proverbs. One, two, three, four. Ah, ah, ah. So we're talking about knowledge today. We're talking about the truth. And it feels just like it was meant to be that we would go back to the book of Proverbs because so many of Solomon's writings in Proverbs are all about truth and about mm-hmm. knowledge and understanding and wisdom. And so let's go back and learn a couple of things. Let's find some of our favorite Proverbs on knowledge and truth. What's number one? Proverb number one is Proverbs 23, 23, and tells me that truth offers a high yield. <laughs> it says, buy truth and do not sell it, buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. I've heard people talk a lot lately about wishing they invested in Amazon or Zoom. Or toilet paper manufacturers. Or toilet paper, yeah. <laughs> Charmin, mm-hmm. some of the delivery services before oh, the yeah. pandemic hit. On the other hand, I read an article the other day about all the major brands that have gone under in the last six months or so. Mm -hmm. So there are good investments. There's bad investments. What are you going to pour your resources into? And Proverbs says, buy up all the truth you can get your hands on and don't sell it. Just hold on to it for the long haul. It's going to pay dividends for your whole life. So basically get to work learning what's true. I love that. And in that language about purchasing truth, Mm -hmm. it means that truth has value. Yeah. And there is inherently a price to be paid for truth. It's a cost. It is absolutely a cost. Discipleship is not free. Following the Lord is not free. There's a commitment there. There's a price to be paid there. It's super valuable. Yeah. So what's number two? All right. So number two, Proverbs 1, verse 22 through 23. And I see here that I need to not be naive. And so how long... Oh, simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. 
This is wisdom speaking, crying from the streets, basically saying, how long are you going to love being simple? How long are you going to hate knowledge? I see so many times people saying ignorance is bliss, closing their eyes, burying their head in the sand, just ignoring what's going on. But wisdom here is crying out in the streets for people to stop loving ignorance. And if I'm willfully being naive or simple, as he's talking about here, that's not what God wants from us. He doesn't want for us to just ignore everything and ignore what's true and just bury our heads in the sand. If I'd rather ignore the truth and leave myself unchanged, then what he's saying here, what I'm reading here is that I hate knowledge if I just love being simple too much. But if I let God's word correct me, then God pours out his spirit and he makes his word available to me. And we talk a lot in our evangelism about seeking those who are seekers, but I think we should never stop asking and seeking and knocking. I need to always be curious about the truth, looking for the answers, looking for a deeper understanding, looking for exactly what Christ wants me to understand about something. And am I content to have just figured it out already, or am I still seeking and looking and trying not to be naive, trying not to be simple. How long will you love being simple? That is such a underhanded diss. That's, it is. That's really <laughs> simple as a as an insult. It's really the opposite of buying the truth yeah. is loving being simple. Okay, so number three is Proverbs 19, verse two. And I think we see in here that desire and enthusiasm aren't enough. You know, sometimes mm. you get the idea from people that all you need is desire. You just have to want something bad enough, dream yep. big, go after what you want. Yeah. But what if you want the wrong thing and you go charging after it without letting your desire be informed by careful thought and wisdom? And so Proverbs 19.2 says, desire without knowledge is not good. And whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. Tremper Longman translated it, ignorant desire is not good <laughs> and rushing feet make mistakes. Other translations talk about enthusiasm without knowledge or zeal without knowledge. But when knowledge leads and shapes our desires, we're blessed when we actually find what we seek. And in the context of the book, this almost certainly means moral knowledge and knowledge of God and from God, along with the knowledge of how to live well before him. I think about times whenever I was young, sometimes when I've been older, where I just wanted something and I wanted it so much, I just went after it without a lot of thought. <laughs> you did that too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still sometimes find myself. Oh, yes. Recently, we've started thinking about going on a vacation and I start, I jumped headlong into planning and then started to actually think about what it would mean to be wearing masks with a two-year-old wearing a mask and all oh, this yeah. stuff, you know, and it's just like, what am I doing? Think this through, man. And so I slowed <laughs> down, slowed down my desire for that trip and was informed by knowledge. I think the pendulum here, and we talk about the pendulum a lot, but I think the pendulum here in this verse is really clear that you can have desire all day long, but if you don't have knowledge, then that's a terrible thing. But I think if you swing it the other direction, if you have knowledge but have no desire, I don't think that's good either. And I've known so many people in my life, and I've, I've maybe been this way from time to time, where I just didn't have much enthusiasm. I didn't have a lot of zeal. I was just kind of milk toast and lukewarm. But I knew the right things. I had the right facts. 
but they weren't really causing me to be on fire. Mm-hmm. That lack of desire, even though you know the right things, I think that's just going too far the other direction here. And so to find mm-hmm. that balance of having the correct set of facts to work off of, but also having that desire to go along with it, that's really the the full package, I think. Yeah, love is more important than knowledge. If right. Paul talks about that in, in Corinthians. But also there's this great prayer that what you just said makes me think of. It's a prayer of Paul's in Philippians 1, 9 to 11. He says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge mm-hmm. and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's good. That's another way of saying the goal of this year of cross-training, growing in knowledge and fruitfulness in discernment, abounding in love and growing more and more into Christ's image. All right. So the last proverb here, proverb number four, is from Proverbs 12, verse one. And what I see here, and don't be offended by this, Don't be stupid. (laughs) Says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. It's in the Bible. It is in the Bible. If Ashlyn, my daughter, decided to call somebody stupid, I would have a real problem with that. But when Solomon does it, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. When the Bible calls somebody stupid, it's not so much pejorative as it is a statement of fact. Wow. That is humbling. (laughs) Absolutely. But- I guess the question is, do I love discipline and being corrected? Like, really, because that's what this verse is asking. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. He who hates reproof is stupid. Do I love discipline and reproof and correction? And thinking about this from this cross-training aspect, I think we named it this way, kind of tongue-in-cheek. But thinking about training and our fitness, physically speaking, you don't get the gain without the pain. You don't build your muscle. You don't get endurance. You don't lose weight or any of the things that you're trying for when you're working out, when you're exercising. You don't get any of that without the struggle, without the sweat, without the aching feet and the the sore back and the sore muscles. Like You don't get that. And so I think without the Bible stepping on our toes and pointing out our flaws, we're not really ever going to find true transformation. But it's so easy to go to the Bible in any of our studies and just scratch the surface and find things that are true and find things that are, you know, collecting facts, almost like an activity where we'd be trying to win some Bible trivia game more than we would be actually trying to transform our lives. And it's easy for us to go and find the truth in the Bible, but are we finding the discipline in the Bible? Are we finding the reproof in the Bible? Are we looking for areas where I need to change, where I need to do better? Let the Bible step on your toes. Let the truth poke you in the eye a little bit and say, you need to change. I need to change. That, I think, is what Solomon is saying here. If we love that kind of correction, then really we love knowledge. Yeah, it goes back to some of the discussion about what is our purpose? What is all of this about? Because if it's about things being pleasant, then this makes no sense at all. Absolutely. But if it's about getting better every day, this makes perfect sense because getting better getting more knowledge, getting more skilled, getting more character, more Christ-like, all of those things come from the pain of correction. Having those hard looks at yourself where you see something you did not want to see and you just (laughs) shake your head and say, how did I miss that I was so foolish? I've heard it said that there are two pains in life, 
discipline and regret. Discipline is measured in ounces and regret is measured in tons. <laughs> it's better to have that discipline, that correction, that hard work and effort that it takes to be better now than to look back in regret. Yeah, maybe we're not selling this uh, upcoming series this year very well. It's going to be painful. <laughs> yeah, sounds like the way Jesus sells discipleship. Oh, yeah. He'd make the worst used car salesman, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you everything that's wrong with this car, and if you still want it, I'll absolutely sell it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and definitely the results are worth it. And I think that's what we're going to be talking about on some upcoming episodes next week. We're going to get into the second aspect of our spiritual lives, and that's heart. Changing our affections, letting Christ shape our affections, letting his word and his truth shape what we love, really, and who we are on the inside. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that, I, I think that the real change of in a disciple's life, I think, starts to happen when you're not fighting against what you love, mm -hmm. but what you love has changed so that you love the things God loves. And it's an ongoing process that's always happening, and we're always, in some ways, struggling, I think, against the pull of some things. But as he shapes our affections to value what he values, love what he loves, it really starts to change every other aspect of our lives, our behavior, our relationships, and on. So previously on pretty much every episode, we have ended the week with a challenge. And because we are focusing the entire week on five challenges that we can all do together, we're not going to finish the episode with a challenge because we already gave it to you. So if you want to find those challenges, you can find the link in the show notes to those. And I'd really encourage you, if you haven't already gotten started on these challenges, pick them up and try to get into it. Try to really find areas to grow and find areas to take new ground for the Lord, especially this week as we consider the importance of truth. Yeah, start now at the beginning of the year and then you <laughs> can build on it as the year goes on. It's a very good time to start. Yes, at the beginning. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into the Bible Geeks podcast. You can find us on our website at BibleGeeks.fm. You can find show notes for this episode in your podcast player of choice or at BibleGeeks.fm slash 92. You can also follow along with our brand new cross-training series at BibleGeeks.fm slash cross-training. And until next week, everyone, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. <laughs>